you know, hopefully guys are kind of pissed off at what happened. You know, I'm pissed off. Everyone's pissed off that, you know, we didn't play very well. I mean, you get a team who didn't play well together. It's going to give you a little bit more edge. And spring training is where we should show that, hey, last year was a fluke. But damn, the White Sox are already season ready, you know, day one. I want you guys to make a shirt that says we're pissed off. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I like that. That's a good idea. <laughs> All right, so maybe that's your slogan, your unofficial slogan for 2023. And that's Joe Kelly, our guest on this edition of the White Sox Talk podcast, brought to you by Wintrust, and this is a good one, everybody. Hey, everyone, it's Chuck Carfine. And Joe did not have a good season last year, let's be honest. But Joe was really honest in our conversation, talking about his struggles the team's struggles, and why he believes that a comeback season is coming for him and the White Sox. We also talk about Liam Hendricks. Joe was actually playing catch with Liam in Arizona two days before he announced his cancer diagnosis. So we discussed that, as well as Joe's new book. Yeah, he's got a book coming out about baseball called a damn near perfect game reclaiming America's pastime. It's an inside look at the game and how to make it better. Joe interviewed everybody from Rob Manfred to Rob Lowe. There's a chapter about Joe's famous showdown with Carlos Correa in the World Series. We'll talk about that as well as Correa signing with the Twins. That and a whole lot more on the way. So, why Joe Kelly is pissed off about last season it's coming up next bp added more than 70 billion dollars to the u.s economy in 2022 investments like acquiring america's largest biogas producer archaea energy and starting up new infrastructure in the gulf of mexico it's and not or See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We know you love Chicago. You devour the pizza, admire Chicago skyline, and cheer on Chicago sports teams, especially the White Sox. If you wanted to live in a less amazing place, you'd settle for Cleveland. Why not bank with Chicago's bank too? Upgrade your wallet with an exclusive Wintrust White Sox debit card, which you can get when you open a Wintrust White Sox checking account. Learn more today at Wintrust.com slash Sox. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. White Sox, White Sox, go, go, White Sox. The ball hit deep, way back. Deep to the Holy cow. Carlton Fisk has put the White Sox ahead. Jimenez leaves the ballpark. You can't put it on the ball. We got a chance to do something real special. All right, sit back, relax, and strap it down. It's time for the White Sox Talk Podcast. Well, Joe, I want to talk to you about last season, about this upcoming season, and this new book that you wrote, which is really interesting. But I first want to get your thoughts on Liam Hendricks, what he's going through right now. Have you a chance to talk to him? Have you heard from him? What can you tell us? Um, yeah, I mean, when uh, the news broke, I wasn't, I was uh, probably one of the last ones to know. Um, I had uh, part of the team, team text thread. I saw something 
Uh, and I was like, what's going on? And then instantly my wife told me kind of simultaneously what happened. Um, you know, so it's a, a lot of emotions to be a teammate with someone who has to go through something, you know, so crazy as, as Liam. You know, Liam is an integral part of our team. You know, he's our closer, um, you know, great teammate. And, you know, so I found out. So I texted him that night and, and spoke with him and, you know, just told him to, you know, pretty much give him some words of encouragement and, you know, let him know that, you know, if anyone can go through something like this, it, it, it's you, you know, this guy that who's been overlooked by millions of people, did, you know, five organizations released a million times, DFA'd a million times, grinded a way back from making it back to the league, um, getting into the bullpen, you know, started to, you know, revamp his career in the bullpen and it kind of took off and became, you know, one of the best pitchers in the league. So um, for him, I know that it's probably a scary moment, you know, to be able to hear that word and um, to kind of put myself in his shoes. It, it, it's definitely stressful. I mean, it's pretty crazy because it was one of those things. Liam's out here in Arizona and, and two days before that, you know, I saw him at the field, you know, we were catch partners, um, hung out and no clue that, you know, what someone's going through. And he probably obviously already knew, um, never know what, what kind of things people are going through in life. Um, you know, and Liam, to his, uh, to him, I mean, he doesn't have his family. I hear all the time he's from Australia, so it's probably even harder. Um, but I know his parents were in town for Christmas. They came out and they're staying for a month. So um, to have his family here, that's probably a huge support. Um, but whatever he goes through, we're going to be able to support him the best we can and, and, you know, keep keep encouraging him. I want to ask you about last season. Can I be Can I be frank with you? Yeah, for sure. What happened? <laughs> what happened? Uh, first, like with you, I mean, this that is not the Joe Kelly that I know. Like uh, an ERA of six, that's not you. What happened? Yeah, uh, the good thing ERAs don't count in this league anymore. Uh, it's uh, it's the last thing, you know, teams or the good organizations uh, look at for a pitcher. Uh, you know, it's all the other stats that, that matter. So, you know, the, the, the expected, the slug, the damage. Uh, you know, the strikeouts. Um, so obviously the late, the late start to the season wasn't, wasn't ideal with the, the nerve injury, um, you know, at the end of the year or prior. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where I finally have a, a healthy off season. It's the first one in three years uh, that I've been able to, you know, give it a full go from, you know, day one of the off season to, to spring training. Um, three past years, it, was either a, a shoulder surgery, um, you know, the nerve injury, uh, deep in the playoffs. So it's been fun. It's been able, it's been great. I've been going down to a Camelback already, you know, multiple days a week. Like I said, get the drawing in, um, do the workouts. I'm waiting there with Goldie, you know, I'm there with Brett Walker. So all the, all the, all of our big league staff is a lot of the guys are there. So it's, it's been fun to already get going and, you know, finally be able to participate in a real spring training uh, from day one. It's, it's going to be exciting. Uh, but overall, you know, we had a lot of changes with, with our team, um, you know, from leadership to, you know, players that aren't, aren't going to be coming back. So it's going to be going to be a, a great year. I think, you know, we played terrible last year. We were 500. Um, so it, I think uh, that's the worst baseball we could play. And we were still a 500 team. Um, so we all do our part this year. I think it's going to be, you know, a very fun year for everyone. Yeah. So you've played in three World Series. You won two of them. You were on a team last season that had a lot of talent. Clearly, there were a lot of injuries, and that played a big part. I'm not trying to discount that. But was there something else 
missing from your team besides health? Was it leadership or the type of leadership that was needed? We're just all kind of grabbing at straws from the outside, wondering how a team with that much talent could struggle like it did. Yeah, so uh, the the teams that I've been on have been excellent. You know, to win the World Series, you have to have talent and you have to be able to use that talent and capitalize on it and, and play to your ability. And um, one of the things that we obviously didn't do was, was play up to our ability. Uh, there's many guys who are projected, you know, X amount of hits or X amount of homers or X amount of, you know, wins and losses or, you know, this or that. Um, and, and that didn't happen. So when you have a, a team full of talent, but then, you know, one or two guys don't live up to expectations, that's great because then you're going to still win a lot of games. When you have, you know, half of a team who doesn't live up to the potential or play to their abilities, that is us. That's what happened with us. That's the White Sox. That's a record of 81 and 81. Um, so the good news is, is that we played terrible and, you know, we, we were – right there at 81 and 81 um and that's the bottom of the barrel that's saying you know that was pretty much worst case scenario if someone would say what's the white Sox?" if they all crap the bed there you'd see it right there it'd be 81 and 81 so you know if you're just playing the numbers game that most likely you know lightning's not going to strike twice so i'm definitely looking forward to this year um you know obviously with, with pedro coming in um you know, it's always it's always good to have a, a, a new face and, and, and a new leader. Um, but last year was all about not playing great. You know, we had Tony as our skipper. We played, you know, pretty much 500 throughout the whole year. And then we had Cairo come in and still same team, played, pretty much played 500 throughout the whole year. Um, you know, we didn't have our, our dogs and our big boys be able to play a, a bunch of games together, obviously, you know, put out a consistent lineup every day. Um, but, you know, every team that, that played last year had the same problem. So uh, it's one of those things where hopefully everyone's doing the right things this off season to get ready for the season, because it's our first normal off season we've had in, in multiple years. Um, so that's definitely going to limit the injuries. Uh, and, you know, hopefully guys are kind of pissed off at what happened. You know, I'm pissed off. Everyone's pissed off that, you know, we didn't play very well. So um, when you get a lot of, when you get a team who didn't play well together, um, you know, it's going to give you a little bit more edge and hopefully we can come out you know, in spring training, you know, showing people what we have, not, not the beginning of the year, obviously spring training is where we should show that, Hey, last year was a fluke, you know, but damn, the White Sox are already season ready, you know, day one. Um, and that's something that I, I'm looking forward to. Yeah. I want you guys pissed off. I want you guys to make a shirt that says we're pissed off. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I like that. That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. I'm just going to do it. Yeah. We're pissed uh, off. Yeah. Yeah. So I was talking to Yasmani Grandal about okay. three weeks ago, and he said the emotions, his emotions got the best of him. Here's a quote that he said, and it involves you, actually. He said, uh, his emotions, bad emotions came out in bad ways. I tend to go to this dark hole. If it wasn't for Joe Kelly, I think my season would have been a little bit worse. He would come in every day and just make me laugh, even when I didn't feel like that. For that, I love him. I really appreciate him. I, I'm a big Yaz fan, not going to lie. Um, you know, I never had a chance to play with Yaz. You know, we miss each other in L.A. Um, and you can never know someone until you meet them, right? There's, And I hate hearing things from other guys, you know, what kind of person this guy is or how he's a teammate. Um, you know, I kind of want to let myself do all the investigating. And, uh, you know, Yaz had a tough year, and, and he'll be the first one to let you know, and that's why he's grinding. You know, you've seen his offseason workouts. He's actually getting strong, so – it's fun to watch, but 
you know, me and Yaz had a special bond and, and uh, believe it or not, Yaz is very intelligent. People don't think he is because, you know, kind of the broken language sometimes. But I think sometimes he's so smart that he can't get the right words out. Um, mm. And we have a special bond. You know, we play a lot of video games together. Um, but, yeah, like I said, last year, uh, me and Yaz had a little thing where uh, it, we, we had a game. We kept a tally. So whoever uh, saw each other first in the clubhouse, lunchroom, field, wherever, um, we flipped each other off. So if, if you got caught, like I walk into the clubhouse and I turn around, he's right there in my face, flipping me off. He gets a point. Um, so it was one of those things where we kept that going throughout the whole year. And, 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 uh, you know, like I said, it was a long year. So to have Yaz, um, to get those words from him, that's big because like I said, you never know what someone's going through on or off the field, you know, mentally, you know, kind of grind it is. Yeah. We're major baseball players. We make a lot of money, but we're still human beings and we still deal with all the other things that everyone else deals with. So, uh, like you said, I think, uh, one of my favorite things is being a good teammate and, and and trying to pick guys up when you can. And, and if it's a young guy on the mound, teaching him a new pitch, or it's a young guy struggling, like, Hey, I've been there in my career. Um, and I think, uh, you're not just a baseball player and you come to that clubhouse. You're also a friend, you know, you're also someone's maybe best friend, someone who you feel as a brother. So you have the, you have the obligation to be a good person. Um, even if you're, you feel like you're just a baseball player. And uh, that's something I kind of take pride in. Well, you and your friend, Rob Bradford, who uh, covers the Red Sox in Boston, you have this new book out. I was not expecting yes, a sir. Joe Kelly book, <laughs> and yet here it is, and it's something that I want to read. Uh, it's called A Damn Near Perfect Game, Reclaiming America's Pastime. And if you don't mind, can I just read the official description for everybody, which says a lot? So I've, I've heard it many times. Okay. Baseball's most outspoken fireballer brings the high heat in a book that calls out the hacks, cheats, ridiculous rules, and more that have tarnished the game. From the field of play to the clubhouse, front office, broadcast booth, and beyond, and serves A-plus stuff on how to make baseball pure, fun, and damn near perfect. It's the loudest insider's expose of the laws and culture of Major League Baseball since Jim Bowden's classic Ball Four. So what do you... It's a good one. Yeah. It is. So you're letting people in about what's going on behind the scenes. Give us an idea beyond what I just said there about what the book is about and some of the details. Yeah. So I've, uh, I'm not a social media guy, obviously, but um, every time I've done something where, you know, it's either podcast or, you know, talk about, you know, off field things of, of anything from, you know, politics to, you know, how the brain works. I was a psychology major at a UC school. Um, it's something that I take special interest in and, and you know, myself have, have read a lot and, you know, Rob Bradford came up to me and said, Hey man, whatever you say is, is, is right. Like you need, you need to write a book. Mm. And I said, all right. He's like, I, I was like, you've written plenty of books you want to do with me. And uh, so this kind of got started in, in, you know, probably 2020, we, we pissed the idea um, and it wasn't anything more than just talking about it. And then, you know, we started getting serious about it. And, um, I ended up doing a, a, a piece, you know, during the lockout, I was kind of irritated with a lot of, I would say we, we, we like to call them regular people. Um, you know, lockout was happening and obviously I'm from LA. So being around that area, people are asking me left and right. Every time they see me, Hey, when are we gonna play baseball? Hey, we're never gonna play this year. Ah, baseball I'm done. You know? Hey, wherever team you sign with, I'm, I'm not even going to watch anymore. I'm done with it. You know, barbershop talk. And, you know, I was kind of getting irritated with, with all that. And, and I was like, Hey, just be patient. We're going to play. And they're like, Oh, you guys are just stingy, greedy. I'm like, 
that's what a regular person would say. Um, I was like, you know, it's both sides. You know, we both need to, you know, get together and make something happen, but it's not happening. So, you know, I was sitting there one day and, you know, I, I thought of, I, I used to write poetry as a kid. Uh, so I was, you know, kind of getting to my feels of, of, of the game of baseball and, and how much I missed it. At that time, my son was playing baseball. I was coaching travel ball. Um, and just watching the, the joy and passion from, from these kids that I'm coaching about the game of baseball made me miss it even more. Um, and, you know, sitting there going like, man, the kids that are playing right now are, are the best I've ever seen, right? These kids at six, seven are unbelievable and, and they have no, but they don't, they don't get to share the experience I shared, you know, with my father, my grandfather, going to a game, get a hot dog, you know, watching your favorite players. I mean, I remember as a kid, Ken Griffey Jr., my favorite player, hit a foul ball and, I tried to go get it and I had my hands on it and an adult ended up grabbing it. That asshole never gave it back, obviously, but you know, I was devastated. And so just little memories like that, you know, made me miss it even more. And so I wrote this, this piece in the times saying, Hey, don't give up on baseball because every single day I was going out in the public and people were asking me, Hey man, I'm done with it. I'm like, you could be done with it, but you're going to miss it too. Like I'm a player. I miss it just as much as you like, trust me, I'm working on it. And you know, so I just kind of wrote a little, little, little intimate piece of, about the game of baseball and where we're at. And, you know, all the people that who are, are kind of this kind of age that we're in of, of like, you know, instant gratification. It's all the impatient people, all the ADH people that are diagnosed and, you know, can't pay attention. Um, and baseball is one of those things where it's if you learn the intricacies in and out of the sport, you know, you really enjoy it more. And so after I wrote that piece, brought the publishers started going you know kind of hey you guys want to write a book let's do it and so me and rob ended up writing it and, and it's you know one of those things where the conversation just started picking up momentum 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 when the lockout was about to be over and you know for myself as a kid um baseball means a ton to me you know growing up it was skateboarding number one one a i would say baseball one b and you know, everyone has a story about how how they got to the game of baseball, you know, where they learned it from. And it's just super cool. Like in the book, I interviewed anywhere from, you know, rock stars to other professional athletes to, you know, famous TV personalities. And, and, and you get these conversations going with them about, you know, hey, how'd you fall in love with the game? And, you know, you got guys like, um, you know, Mark Harp Hoppus, Link-182. And, you know, he didn't become a baseball fan until his late 30s, where he was in LA and everyone's going crazy about the Dodgers. He's like, what the hell? Game of baseball is boring. Like, da, da, da. And so he goes to a game with his buddy and his buddy slows the game down for him. Tells him like, Hey, this pitcher's throwing this ball on purpose. This pitcher's trying to throw up and high. He's not wild. And, and Mark starts to learn these kind of things. And, and he tells me that's when he fell in love with the game. He's like, man, this is like music. This is beautiful. This is like poetry. And so, you know, that's just one example, you know, from the book. And it's so cool how you, how you see all these guys, like, you know, I got Bo Bichette in it. And he's kind of like me. So I quit baseball um, going into high school. I didn't play at all in eighth grade. I hated it. Uh, I just wanted to become a professional skateboarder. And at that time, I was a sponsored skateboarder. I was really good. You know, my career could have been great for skateboarding. Um, and, and Bo, I, I, I kind of relate with him. You know, I was playing baseball seven days a week, travel ball, all this. And I got, I got burnt out. And Bo was, Bo was I think, a, a, a good tennis player. So he's like, screw it. I'm not playing baseball. I'm going to focus on tennis. And so you just got all these cool stories in the book, um, you know, and then obviously you have myself talking about my suspensions, you know, how uh, MLB came down on me, you know, so hard during the pandemic, pretty much saying that I, 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 I could have killed all those people 
in the stadium that day for causing a brawl. Um, and so I explain you know, the stories about that, things in the bullpen, mariachi jacket, White House visits. Uh, and it's just a very fun read. And, and, and it's probably an easy read because pretty much it was myself just using voice to text. And, you know, I had to take out a bunch of cuss words. There's some in there, so be careful. <laughs> okay. Um, but, and then I have my, then I have my buddy Rob, you know, help, help me, you know, guide me along the way and clean up some writing and do all this. Uh, so it's just one of those things where I wanted people to understand that baseball, you know, baseball is, is not just an instant gratification. You know, I try to explain it as best. Like baseball is a book. It's not just like one sentence where you could read and be like, Oh, look at all that. Like, you know, the NFL, you know, a, a bomb or a sweet run or a dunk, you know, that's what the kids are kind of looking for nowadays. So I'm just trying to explain the game of baseball a little bit better for, you know, a, the youth who's our next generation of it. Um, and, you know, kind of explaining, you know, where the game is at now and it's going in the next direction or, you know, I want it to go in the great direction. So actually I interviewed Rob, or sorry, I sat down and, and interviewed um, Manfred. And so there's a whole chapter on the commissioner, me and the commissioner talking, you know, what I think he needs to do better, what he thinks we need to do better, how I think we should grow the game. You know, we need to get, you know, more owners like Steve Cohen. We need to get more owners like, you know, the Clippers guy, Steve Ballmer, Mark Cuban's like, why don't we have these eccentric guys who, who actually show their faces at the game down low and, you know, really love their team. Um, so there's, there's a lot of cool things in the book. Uh, and it, and, you know, I was just very thankful for all the people who helped me, you know, guys like Rob Lowe, you know, Mookie Betts, uh, the list goes on and on. And, and it's some that I'm very excited for. And I think people will definitely enjoy. You have a whole chapter on Carlos Correa and your uh, famous pouty face that you gave the him in the world series. <laughs> uh, and now he's going to be in the American of league central. Course. Apparently what's that? It's good. For, it's good. It's good for views. Yeah, it's good for views. It's yes, good, yes. Good to be a White Sox. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was that was that was a fun chapter, and you know, is is uh, the power of the pout, you know, and it's something that's silly. Is is we still play the kids' game, um, and you know, in that moment, I've explained it, you know, numerous times where you know him, you know, kind of complaining towards me, and you know, I do what I do best, and you know, I have three children, and so when they act like you know little morons, I I kind of give it back to them, and I egg them on, and I'm still a kid at heart. And so at that moment, I thought a pouty face, you know, he was whining and I thought he deserved a whiny look. And, you know, so I go on and on and, you know, behind the scenes of all that and, and, and COVID protocols and all that. So it's, it's definitely fun. It's definitely, it's definitely not something where I think it's, it's, it's PG 13, you know, there's a couple of F words in there, but uh, I think uh, it's, it's good for all ages for sure. And you're going to be seeing, I believe, more of Carlos Correa. So many passes his physical. He just signed, yeah. I think, with the I Twins. I saw that six years. Yeah. Finally, so. finally, the third, third, third time the charm, I guess. <laughs> you know what? I might join the White Sox as a player pending a physical. <laughs> hey, which I will fail. You could technically say that. You could 100 percent say that. It's it's proven. It's proven fact. I know any job I want. I'm just going to say pending I, physical. Pending a physical. You know. I'm oh, I be, can't be a brain surgeon. Didn't pass a physical. You should start that trend. I will be the next president of the United Pending States. Physical. Pending a physical. Uh, yes. A couple more questions, if you don't mind. Oh, you, got, you got a little more, a couple more minutes? Yeah, a couple more. Okay. Because um, it's about your book. What do you think about massive realignment? Where <clears throat> the Cubs and the Sox are in the same division. The Yankees and the Mets are in the same division, Dodgers, Angels. Would that be something that would help grow the game? I think it would. Um, honestly, I, I think the the whole playoff system and, and, and everything needs to be reworked. I think it should be like March Madness where, 
if the top eight teams are from the ACC, they're from the ACC, that's fine. So I think we kind of need to get rid of the divisions and go pretty much solely off records. And I think we're heading that way because we are playing more games in our league, obviously, with the new schedule. Um, and I think it should just be the best of the best. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're, if you win your division and you only have 90 wins and there's three teams of the hundred, I don't think you should be ranked. I don't think you should get automatic. You should be a wild card team to me. And I think once you make the playoffs, I think there needs to be a re-ranking system exactly like all the other sports, you know, hockey does it. Uh, the NBA does it. Uh, March Madness does it. And so if all the number one seeds are from the same area from the, whatever you want to call it, the same league, not National League, American League, forget all that. Since we both have DHs, that's irrelevant. Um, I would like to see the playoff reseeding happen for sure. And I, I think that when you can keep the, the crosstown rivals and, and if you want to put them in the same league, that's fine. Because like I said, AL NL is, is now the same. It should just be called Major League Baseball. You know what I mean? Um, I think uh, more fans would be able to fight with each other, not physically, you know, but, you know, give each other shit. Uh, I think uh, the the rivalries of being in the same city will be even bigger. Um, you know, so L.A. Angels and you got the Dodgers, you know, you got teams like I think everyone should be able to play each other whenever they want. You know, I think playing the same team, you know, 16 times a year is is outdated. You know, they worked back in the day. Um, but nowadays it, it, it's kind of irrelevant with, with travel, with how, how easy it is now. Um, to get obviously be on a charter plane, you know, we're not training, we're not training the games where it's harder. We're back in the day when these rules came out, it was like, Oh, we had a bus. We had a, you know, stop here overnight. You know, now we fly pretty much first class and you can leave whenever you want in the night. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that would be huge for the game. That, that's a very valid point. And what do you think about the pitch clock? I like it. Big fan of it. I think, I think it will definitely, uh, put another take on the game of baseball, which will make it fun. And I'm not talking about the speed of the game. I'm talking about um, starting pitchers, you know, getting fatigued way quicker. Um, yes, I think the only problem with this pitch clock is going to be injuries. There's going to be more injuries, um, you know, because once fatigue happens, injuries happen. That's, that's you know, common knowledge. Uh, but I think the pitch clock is going to be very, very fun um, because, say, the, the, the timer is running down and you're between two pitches and you're trying to shake the right one. And you just settle on the one that because, you know, the pitch clock's coming out, you settle on the one that is OK and you think it will work instead of a strikeout. Um, that could be the game right there. You know, that could be a homer. That could be a base hit. Uh, so I think the pitch clock is going to be great. The shifts are going to be great. Um, banning them pretty much, you know, having your feet on the dirt. Uh, all these are going to make the game more fun. And I think uh, people are going to enjoy it more for sure. I could talk baseball with you for like 17 hours. <laughs> uh, so because uh, I, I have a million same. ideas. Yeah, I know. And I love yeah. them and I got my own. Let's reconvene this conversation. Yeah, training. 100%. yeah I, I'm I, down. I'm I down. Mean, I have got like literally 20 notes here that I want to. I want to see your rules. I want to see your rules. Okay. I've, so I've, I've got crazy rules like where it's like, you know, top of the ninth, you get to start your lineup wherever you want. You pick three hitters, like rules like that, that I've heard, you know, that was from Jeremy, one of our, you know, assistant GMs. And, and he, he pitched that to me. I was like, I'm in. Let's go. Put put your best put your best guys in the night. And see what happens. I love it. I then, love you know, it. Yeah. Okay. All and right. So cause... you could do that from the seventh inning on. Jeremy said, and so you might use your closer in the seventh. And then, oh wait, we burned them, and now you have to face the hitters that the coach picks. You know, get managers more involved. Actually, manage. Now you got to face. You know, I'm gonna start my lineup at five, six, seven because I know your bullpen guy. You have no more lefties. Like you know what I mean? Like there's little things like that that, that I think are cool. And Jeremy, I got to give credit to Jeremy for that one. 
Yeah, Jamie Haber. By the way, you're blowing my mind with these ideas. The lights here behind <laughs> me just went off. So it's like my lights. <laughs> oh, that, that that's nice. I, I like your nice I like your lights a lot more than mine. Uh, Joe you. Kelly, thanks for your time. I appreciate it, and um, I'm looking yes, for a big comeback season for you Let's and go. the White Sox. All right, I'm ready. We'll definitely be ten times better. All right, my thanks to Joe Kelly for coming on the pod. My thanks to all of you for listening to the White Sox Talk podcast. And we have a special podcast dropping next week, looking back at the day when the Beatles played Comiskey Park in 1965, right in the middle of Beatlemania, with inside stories from people who were there, Beatles fans, White Sox fans. I think you're really going to like it. I loved it doing this and putting it together. All right, that's a wrap for this edition of the White Sox Talk Podcast, brought to you by Wintrust, your home for White Sox. Check in with free ATMs nationwide. Go to the special White Sox webpage, www.wintrust.com slash Sox. Hawk Harrelson, take it away. Thanks, our Chuck. And this edition of the White Sox Talk Podcast is over. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.